Well, welcome to session six of Keys to Health, Wholeness and Fruitfulness, where we're going to be taking a look at our physical bodies. Don't worry, not anybody's physical body in particular, okay? Here's one of my favourite verses on the human body. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And our bodies are configured in a totally awesome, mind-blowing way. Almost ridiculously so, to my mind. You've got so many different parts that just work in harmony. There's like all sorts of chemicals and hormones and enzymes that fulfill incredibly intricate roles. Our hearts keep beating and our lungs breathing and our bowels digesting, our kidneys removing waste and we've got this wonderful waterproof skin that just covers the whole of our body and it, all that happens without us ever having to think about it. It just keeps working, keeps being renewed. And when we were conceived, our loving Heavenly Father was there. He saw the sperm and the egg coming together, saw this little baby, new life, growing in the mother's womb. And as we grew up, we kind of learned to make our muscles and bones and ligaments all work together so we could do intricate tasks like walking and writing and checking our phones, that kind of thing. Inside every cell in our body is this elaborate coding system of DNA, two meters long, which determines things as diverse as the color of our eyes, our aptitude for mathematics. And in the nucleus of a cell, our genes are arranged along twisted, double-stranded molecules of DNA called chromosomes. It's a superb, incredible piece of engineering, of creation. And honestly, how anybody can believe that we just evolved by chance is totally beyond me. Now, originally, it seems, our bodies were designed to go on forever renewing themselves. But Adam's sin had absolutely catastrophic effects. And after he sinned, his body began to age and decay so that physical death became inevitable. Now, Adam did live physically for 930 years. That doesn't seem such a bad thing. But today, uh, the average life expectancy worldwide is 71 years. Now, a good place to see something of the actual mechanism involved in ageing is at the ends of our chromosomes, where you will find complex structures called telomeres. And what the telomeres do is they protect the strands of DNA. It's rather like the plastic tips you get on the end of shoelaces. And every time a cell divides, the telomeres get shorter and shorter and shorter until eventually they are too short to do their job. And that appears to be a factor in why we get old and eventually die. Or it is at very least a symptom of other ageing processes going on at the level of our genes. So I think it would be reasonable to assume that before Adam sinned, the telomeres didn't shorten. And there's quite a lot of research going on right now that's trying to find out if it's possible to stop them getting shorter. 
There are other physical effects from the fall. Um, the Bible tells us very explicitly that women's pain in childbirth was significantly increased, for example. And it would appear that we also became vulnerable to viruses and harmful bacteria. Now, the Bible's very clear that everything that God created through Jesus was very good. So those viruses and those bacteria presumably existed, at least in some form, before Adam sinned. So they must originally have been harmless to us. Or perhaps they had a good purpose, like the helpful bacteria in our gut that enables us to digest food. Or perhaps our immune systems were originally so good that any virus out there simply wouldn't be a threat to us. Now, the Bible tells us that a time will come again when things that are currently harmful to us won't harm us anymore. Let me read what Isaiah wrote. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. That the fall affected the whole of the created order. The very environment that we live in is much more dangerous to us now than it was ever meant to be. We're told that the whole of creation groans. And I suspect that things like earthquakes and destructive weather patterns are all part of, of that groaning. And of course, in recent centuries, we've done further damage by filling the atmosphere with greenhouse gases and the oceans with plastics. But in this future era, after Jesus returns, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to get new bodies. The question we've been asking is, is this. What does it mean to be a redeemed, restored child of God living in an unredeemed, unrestored world? So what does that mean right now as far as our physical bodies are concerned? Well, after becoming Christians, we still have the same old bodies, right? In fact, to be honest, mine looks a lot worse than when I first came to know Jesus. <laughs> Paul wrote to the Corinthians about how tough life can be living as a Christian. Afflicted in every way, persecuted, struck down. Now, he's referring primarily to the difficulties that come when we're preaching the good news in face of strong opposition. And many people around the world are doing that even now, and they're suffering cruelty, imprisonment, and even death. But what comes through this passage is Paul's expression of the sheer weakness of just living in these human bodies. He talks of having treasure in jars of clay. He says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So let's face uh, reality here. Living in these mortal bodies can be tough, can't it? Really tough. They are slowly decaying. As someone said to me recently, growing old is not for the faint-hearted. Ultimately, our physical bodies are going to die. However, for us, that is absolutely not 
the end of the story. The passage continues. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If you think that this life and this body is all there is, then it's incredibly depressing when physical frailty and mortality make their presence felt. But as always, we have to train ourselves to look at the world the way God says it actually is. And there's a key principle that is communicated here. The physical frailty of our bodies actually allows God's glory to be shown in us. When we face physical infirmity, it isn't necessarily something we should be looking to pray out of the way. It might be something through which God will reveal his greatness as we persevere through it in our weakness. Paul goes on. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. While we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. So he has a great analogy for our bodies. He says, they are the earthly tent we live in. They are temporary accommodation for us. And that's in contrast to something much more permanent that is coming, which he calls an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. The difference is massive. The difference between a flimsy tent and a solid building with foundations. Now, the world out there is obsessed with the body beautiful. The world thinks we are our body and that the be-all and end-all is to have a healthy body. The truth, as we adopt the biblical worldview, is to realise that our body is just a flimsy, temporary thing and something much, much better is coming. And as followers of Jesus, we, we need to learn to see ourselves not as a body with a spirit, because we are really a spirit with a body. Paul's very honest, isn't he? He says that while we are in this body, we groan and are burdened. We may not realise it, but we're inwardly yearning for how it's meant to be. A body that doesn't decay, that doesn't suffer sickness, a body that renews itself and lasts forever. He goes on to say that God has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. As you see the fruit of the spirit growing in your life, do you know what? It is cast iron, irrefutable proof that a brand new body will one day be yours. And rather than adopting the worldly goal of having perfectly healthy bodies that go on and on and on and on, our aim is going to be, I hope, 
to use our physical bodies to glorify God while we're in them. And glorifying God in our physical bodies does not depend on being in perfect health. Our bodies enable us to function on this earth as disciples of Jesus and to do the things that God has specifically prepared for us to do. And you can use your body for good things or bad things, for eternal purposes, for frivolous purposes. We all have one life and one body. How are we going to use them? I've always felt a, a kind of call to overseas mission. Five years ago, I went to Africa. About two weeks in, I became really severely ill uh, with something called amoebic dysentery. From then on, I, I struggled to eat anything. It just wouldn't stay in my body. I lost a lot of weight incredibly quickly. The doctors kind of eventually told me that it was probably triggered by what I'd suffered in Africa. So my journey towards healing was really quite long. It took about five years. I was basically in crisis for about the first six to nine months. So I would grieve a lot, cry a lot. I really felt like I should have been healed already because um, I've been taught for years that God's word says that he wants to heal. And that means now. I saw a lot of people around me get healed and even prayed for people and saw them get healed myself. But I wasn't. I tried to uh, worship my way out of it or declare my way out of it. That kind of pressure to be healed really crippled me. It almost became like this label I wore of unhealed person. And in the end, I stopped going forward for healing because it was just too painful and too disappointing. So I slowly realised that I needed to forgive a lot of people. Um, firstly, myself. I felt kind of frustration at my own failure to be good enough to be healed. I also realised that I had to forgive God in a big way because I felt like he'd let me down, um, like he hadn't protected me. He hadn't been a good father to me and he'd let this thing happen. Um, I had to admit that it wasn't his fault. And slowly my outlook on life began to get brighter. Um, my days became just more joyful, even though I hadn't been healed yet physically. I almost laid that down as the requirement of God to prove that he loved me. So the moment when I received the actual physical healing, um, where my symptoms disappeared, no one was there, no one was laying hands or praying for me or anything. I was just in my living room, spending time with God, reading my Bible, where I felt him say, Ruth, you're healed, get up and eat. I got up and I went and I got a slice of bread and I ate it. And that was huge because bread was something I hadn't eaten in such a long time. I felt fine. Absolutely fine. Nothing happened. So then I branched out a bit more and tried a bit of dairy. <laughs> um, and, oh, it tasted so good. And I just kept eating and eating and eating. Um, and I was fine. I would definitely say God has used this really powerfully in my life. I don't believe he caused it at all, but he certainly redeemed it and turned it into something really beautiful. So our body is just a temporary home. But that doesn't mean it's not important. In the last session, we looked at a passage where some were saying, I have a right to do anything. And Paul responds, but not everything is beneficial. I will not be mastered by anything. He talks about sexual sin, and then goes on to say this. Do you not know that your body 
is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Think about that. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, a holy place. And you are a holy one. We glorify God in our bodies when we live according to who we are. When we choose to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So it's important that we take things like food, exercise, and rest very seriously. Food is mentioned a lot in the Bible. God created all food for us to enjoy, and it is a blessing from God. But we are warned against overeating, and it will be wise to consider what we put into our bodies. A few years ago, I was getting repeated abdominal pain and itching all over my body. I was achy and exhausted. Then I had a chat with a Greek friend who is a specialist in nutrigenetics. Nutrigenetics is all about understanding the interplay between what we eat, our genes, and how this affects our health. She challenged me. She said, take a critical look at what you eat and what you drink and see how your symptoms play out. I discovered that my body doesn't cope with dairy products. So I decided to make some exchange. So I exchanged animal milk, chocolate, and cakes for vegetables, fruits, and olive oil. Great exchange, I thought. But I was ready to do anything to feel better. I was completely amazed that my symptoms disappeared. No itch, no aches, and no abdominal upset. Here's another example. One of my friends with severe flare-up of eczema told me how she was fed up of her skin condition. All her prescribed creams and lotions were no longer helping her. She had read somewhere that dietary factors might be implicated in her condition. So she decided to try a healthier diet. Less red meat, no junk food, more natural foods and fibers. Her skin looked so much better in no time. Giving up sugar and processed foods and moving to a diet strong in vegetables and fruits is a way to a healthier you. But if we find this a struggle, we may need to uncover the root cause of why we are drawn to eat things that are not good for us. If deep down we feel unhappy or dislike ourselves, we may be trying to fill the void with food. But when we know our identity in Christ, then suddenly food is not so important and it becomes easier to eat well. Once we know in our hearts how loved and accepted we really are, many things fall into place. Jesus spent a period in the wilderness being tempted and we are told he didn't eat anything for 40 days. Fasting is a spiritual discipline and is usually undertaken by a leading of God. When we fast, 
we choose to abstain from food and certain pleasures for a given time in order to seek closer intimacy with God in prayer and study of God's word. And as a bonus, this also gives our physical body a chance to clear itself of toxic waste. Several studies now suggest that regular fasting may improve blood sugar, help lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol levels, thereby enhancing heart health. There are other health benefits associated with fasting, which include decreased levels of inflammation of the body, better brain function, better metabolism, which may lead to improved success with weight loss. But don't fast for the health benefits alone. Fast to deepen your intimacy with God and your dependency on him. He remains our loving, faithful father, regardless of whether we fast or not. He loves us all the same. Timothy says that physical exercise is valuable. In 1 Timothy 4 and 8, on the whole, however, there isn't much in the Bible about exercise because ordinary life was physical and active. Walking was the main form of transport. Most jobs involved physical labor. For example, Jesus was a carpenter and was physically active in his work. He must have walked thousands of miles in his early life and ministry. For us, it's different. And most of us need to make a choice to build physical activity into our lives. You probably don't feel like doing it, but you will reap huge benefits if you do. It decreases the risk of developing health problems such as diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and depression, as well as helping you sleep better and generally helping you feel better. There's a study by Leipzig University that found that after six months of regular aerobic exercise, such as running, cycling, or swimming, people's telomeres lengthened by 3.5%. I once had a patient who was very depressed. In addition to her antidepressant tablets, she agreed to try having a walk every day. So she started with just a little walk, but slowly built up the distance and soon was walking for an hour every day. It transformed her life. She joined a dance group, enlarged her social network, and depression lifted. Another patient of mine achieved a good glucose control when he agreed to take up the advice of walking and swimming most days of the week. So a key is finding something you can do and enjoy. You must enjoy it like swimming, Zumba dance, or Afro dance, aqua aerobics, walking through the park, dare to try something new. I'd be up at seven, I'd get the kids to school. I'd then sit at my desk at nine, trying to earn a living. At three, I'd be back at the school gate. I'd look after the kids till they went to bed at 9.30, and then I'd start again. And sometimes that was till between midnight and 3 a.m., And then seven years ago, my husband died. I had the day of his funeral off. And as far as I remember, every single other day, I had to do some work. And I was straight back to work afterwards because there was only me to earn a living. But two years later, in the same week, on the same day, 
my daughter had a seizure caused by the trauma of her father's death and she drowned in the bath aged 12. The double trauma, the double grief caused my body to start breaking down. I can only describe it really as feeling like I'd been suctioned by a vacuum and that all the life force and all the energy I'd ever felt had all gone. So I took myself off to the doctors. First of all, I got IBS, which I'd had for years because of the stress and strain. She also said I was anemic. Blood test diagnosed I was vitamin D deficient, that I got hypothyroidism, and uh, I was also finally diagnosed with severe adrenal fatigue. And she also explained that the shock to my system had caused a huge hormonal overload, which had tipped me into um, a very fast menopause. So I was trying to deal with all of that. Throughout that whole process, I feel that God carried me and supported me. I'd had a client who was a GP who'd eaten herself well. I asked my doctor in light of her diagnosis whether I could try and do the same before she put me on thyroxine. And she said yes. But all of that came at a cost, and the cost to me was that I needed to raise funds to do that by selling my house, to reduce my hours, and to take a long break. I went to see a nutritionist who was superb and started eating a completely different range of high-protein foods. I started taking vitamin and mineral supplements. I started outdoor swimming and outdoor walking every day for one hour a day, seeing a personal trainer once a week. And the result of those changes was that I lost two dress sizes, two stones in weight, fully regained my health. In fact, I went back to health I hadn't experienced since my 20s. My blood pressure was way better. I didn't need thyroxine at all. And in fact, the doctor said she'd never seen anyone respond so positively to a change in diet, nutrition, exercise and lifestyle. The medical profession is now beginning to understand the importance of rest and sleep for health and well-being. But again, the Bible got there first. In fact, God feels it is so important that he made it one of the Ten Commandments. We need to make sure our bodies get adequate rest. A crucial part of resting is sleep. But in our busy society, it can be seen as a good thing to burn the candle on both ends. Even in our churches, it can seem like the busier we are, the more we are valued and accepted. But hear this, God wants us to sleep. Listen to this. It is no use for you to get up early and to stay up late working for a living. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, The Lord gives sleep to those he loves. Too little sleep can contribute to heart problems, strokes, weight gain, diabetes, and thyroid problems. God is the one who advises that we need sleep. Your rest isn't just about sleep. It is allowing our minds to stop and rest too. Psalm 23 says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We need to give space and time for our inner beings to be restored. Otherwise, we burn out. Technology can rob us of rest and distract us. Space and silence can now seem scary. So we tend to no longer let our minds just rest as we are consumed by social media or the latest emails. But we have to be disciplined about this. Satan will constantly try and deceive us into believing it is unnecessary and that doing is much better than being. But I advise deliberately building space. For me, I rest when I'm taking a walk and admiring trees and gardens. Some people lie on the bed and they listen to worship music. Others sit in the park and look at nature. So building what works for you, but be honest about it. I personally go on a three-day retreat at the end of every year just to have my me time. I reflect on all that has gone on in the year. I get my mind to a peaceful state to hear what God has to say for the year ahead. This is also a time that my physical body rejuvenates. And then again in the middle of the year, I find some time to retreat. Developing good habits takes effort and determination. But the benefit we gain is worth it. God has given each of us a very significant purpose in life. We need our physical bodies to be as healthy as possible so we can do the work he has called us to do. But also because we will feel better. So even if you do have a great diet, fantastic exercise regime, and are in the best possible shape, living in this fallen world, it's impossible to predict with any certainty who will live to a grand old age and who will die an untimely death due to other causes. So, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So here are the keys to take home. Our bodies are created according to an amazing design. I am not my body. It is my temporary accommodation on earth. Having a weak and frail body is no barrier to God, demonstrating his great strength and glory in you. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we are to glorify God in them. Our goal is not to idolize our bodies, but to have it in the best possible condition so that we can use it to do the works God has prepared for us. We will be more effective as disciples when we pay attention to diets, to exercise, and rest. 
we are urged to offer our bodies to God as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. Join us next time when we're going to confront three giants head-on. We're going to look at how to beat anxiety, conquer fear, and live victoriously in the light of our own physical death. Now, that's what I call fun. Thank you.